Good morning, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome again to Christ Church. And I'm so glad you're here today because we're in the middle of this uh, sermon series we're calling The Heart of Christmas. And, uh, you know, we've been discovering the true meaning of Christmas. And it's not like the first time you've heard this, but just reminding us with, with all of the glitz and the glamour and all the stuff going around, what is it really all about? Um, it is about the gifts of hope and peace and joy and love that we receive through Christ. And it all started with that miraculous birth. Now last week, Michael Pittman filled in for me while Chrissy and I traveled uh, to move our daughter down to Panama City. By the way, that was a long trip, uh, but we're Glad we got her moved in, and her husband, Eric, has now joined her. The Navy saw fit to finally get them together, and so we're happy that they are finally together. But uh, like I say, Michael Pittman preached uh, for me last week. I thought he did a terrific job. I watched online. Um, Michael, Michael did a great job. And he introduced the series by sharing the hope that is in the heart of Christmas. We saw the faithfulness of God from his prophetic word about Jesus' future coming and the fulfillment of that word in Jesus' birth, which gives us confidence that we can place our hope in him. God doesn't lie to us. God is faithful and we can put our hope in him. And having that hope in him, we also discover peace. Um, how many of you remember that song? Many times it's sung, I think maybe by children's choirs around Christmas time. But how many of you remember ever hearing the song, Let There Be Peace on Earth? Anybody hear that song before, Let There Be Peace on Earth? It was written by a lady named Jill Jackson Miller and Cy Miller in 1955. That, that's a long time ago. But Jackson Miller who had been suicidal after the failure of her marriage with screenwriter Felix Jackson, later said that she wrote the song after discovering what she called the life-saving joy of God's peace and unconditional love. So that song is a result of her experiencing the grace of God in her life, even during a very tumultuous and difficult time. Just, I'm not going to sing it. I'm, my voice isn't as good as Michael's is, so I can't sing uh, like I used to sing. But let me just remind you of the words of that song. Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God as our Father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. To take each moment and live each moment with peace eternally. So no matter what you are facing in life. I mean, she was facing uh, the, the loss of a relationship. But whatever we are facing now, God is right on time and he will meet us in our time of need. And so today we're going to look at another aspect of the heart of Christmas 
And that is the wonderful peace of Christ. The problem is that peace can be hard to come by. We all know this, right? Peace is not always easy for us to experience. If we define peace as the absence of the following things that I'm going to mention. We've heard of the haves and the have-nots. There seems to be conflict today, and I think always has been, between those who have the resources and those who don't have resources. And there are many people, if they don't have the resources, they don't feel at peace. But you know the truth is that even people that have all those resources many times don't have peace. You realize that, right? Money cannot bring us peace. And even though we don't call it a caste system in our country, we certainly see that life for those who don't have resources can be much more difficult than for those that do. And for them, peace may seem very difficult to come by. If we look around and we see the crime around our, our country, our nation, now according to national statistics, crime rates are actually down. That, that's almost surprising to me. Uh, I, I looked this up, and uh, I don't know what's happening, but they say that the crime rates are down. But tell that to a victim of crime, right? Somebody that's been a victim, I mean, they don't see it that way. How can we ever have peace if we are always worried about becoming a victim of crime? I just saw where a student in a Raleigh area school was stabbed to death. And it seems like maybe this happened as he was bullying another student. I mean, it's crazy. Parents are afraid to send their kids to school. Any of you have concerns about your kids going to a public school these days? I, I tell you, I, we had concerns. And then we consider the anger and the hatred in our culture. I, I don't know that I've ever lived in a time in my life where it was so, seemed so prevalent. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Everywhere you look, people are in each other's faces. There seems to be a growing feeling of hatred towards people who don't agree with everything I think. You, you hear what I'm saying? There definitely is a spike in the hatred of Jewish people and even Palestinian people after the attacks by Hamas and the response of the nation of Israel. I saw where the anti-Semitic crimes are up 400%. 400%. And this leads to anger and distrust. I mean, you, you got genders at odds with each other, races, government officials, citizens. And this leads to a variety of tumultuous events. We, we've seen riots in our streets and violence. How can we feel at peace? When we look around, we don't see peace. War is often thought to be the ultimate form of violence. So after 9-11, America went to war against terrorists. Now, this was unlike any other war we've ever been in because the old wars, you know, you defeat the nation and they give up and it's over, but now you're in a war of ideologies that can spring up anywhere. So we have terrorists making war on innocent people and then innocent people being caught up in a war not of their making. And all this to say, how can we say we can find peace when all around us seems like conflict? And friends, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. 
The truth is that conflict has always existed in our world. Even when Jesus was born, there was conflict. And yet the shepherds heard, he's come to bring peace. There's always been a gap between the wealthy and the poor, the powerful and the weak, the connected and the disenfranchised. So when Jesus' birth was announced, first to these shepherds, who were the weak and the poor and the disenfranchised of their culture, it was a shocking turn of events. If a king were born into the world, you would expect these shepherds would be the last ones to know about it. And yet the heavenly angels told them that peace was coming to earth for those on whom God's favor rested. So what a shocking message. God's favor was even on these shepherds. They were being offered peace. And if it could be given to them, friends, we can rest assured it is offered to us as well. And that is good news for a world in turmoil. So here's our big idea for today. Christmas is a reminder that Jesus was born to provide peace to the world. So let's go to God in prayer. Father, help us to receive the peace of Christ this season. Help us to be peacemakers and peace seekers in our relationships as we interact with a weary world around us. Father, reveal to us opportunities to extend your peace to others. Thank you, Father, for offering us peace forever through your Son, Jesus Christ. May we be the peacemakers and the peacekeepers who will spread your peace to the world around us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we know that peace has been a major theme of Christmas time. I mean, every Christmas, we decorate our Christmas trees. How many of you already have your trees up? Anybody here have your trees up? All right. And, and I, I have this little uh, decoration, this ornament, and on it, it says, peace on earth. Does anybody have a peace on earth ornament that they put on their tree? Okay. It's a very popular thing because we think about peace at Christmas time. We might also see things like this. Now, I know this is a long ways for those of you on the back, but uh, those of you up, up front can see this is, this is a, a, a ceramic dove, okay? Now, I know you can't read what's on it, but it says peace. And so we, we see a lot of these on our Christmas trees or hanging around in our house. Doves have become an international symbol of peace. In fact, for many years, Doves were released at the Olympic Games as a call for peace among the nations. And we also may see Christmas cards. Anybody have Christmas cards that say peace on earth? Okay, I've got a whole stack of these. I'm going to, you know, hopefully get them to some people. But uh, especially if I think you need some peace, right? Um, but the reason for Jesus' birth is God's deep desire to bring peace between himself and mankind. This divine path to peace began in an unlikely place amongst some very unlikely characters, and that's where we begin our study today. 
the Christmas story in the Bible begins with this, well, it doesn't begin with this odd group, but they hear about Jesus and his birth in a very spectacular way. So the first announcement of the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah in Bethlehem, other than Mary and Joseph knowing, the first people to know uh, was this group of shepherds who were out in their field watching their flocks to keep them safe at night. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along or read along on the screen behind. But we're going to go to Luke chapter 2 for our story today. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now I want you to understand that shepherds in the first century, Israel, were individuals who ex existed sort of on the fringe of society. They were considered smelly and dirty and untrustworthy in some circles. They lived on their own for months as they traveled with their flocks. It would have been shocking for the first readers of the Gospel of Luke that these were the people God chose to entrust with such an important message. So here's the first point today. The peace of God is for all people. I want you to understand, God wants peace for all people, not just a select few. The angels had to steady the shepherds because they were terrified when they saw them by telling them not to be afraid because they, again, they were scared to death at the presence of an angel. I think we would be too if something popped up like that. The message they brought was a message of good news about a baby who had been born, who was the long-awaited Messiah, the one who was promised long ago to rescue God's people. And the angels told them where to find Jesus. And before they left on their search, a heavenly host spoke over them and said, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. I, I want us to understand that Jesus was ushering in a peace that mankind had never known. I'm always amazed at our friends from India who share the gospel of peace under a cloud of persecution. Through God's providence, they have come into contact with people, groups who have never heard about Jesus. And you know there are still people in the world who have never heard about Jesus. It's amazing to me to think. One such group in India was a shepherd's group. And I asked my friend Ajay if he would, you know, sort of tell us a little bit about that. So he sent this 
and he asked me to share this with you. He, he writes, I would like to share a story with you about a group of people who belongs to the shepherd caste. They've always been treated like untouchables because they come under the lowest caste. They take care of cows and water buffaloes, sheep and goats. Most of their children never go to school because ultimately they have to take care of the animals and these people are not even allowed to enter the Hindu temples. Just recently, some of their Christian neighbors started sharing with them the story of Jesus. They told them that shepherds are not the low caste, but they are the high caste people because when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born, God sent angels to shepherds. Shepherds were the first ones who saw Jesus after his birth. Not only that, but the shepherds were the very first people who shared the good news that the Savior was born. And above all, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. This was an exciting news for the shepherd community people. In the year 2010, during the Christmas season, uh, just a few, four or five Christian families started sharing the true story with their shepherd neighbors in the area of Lucknow City and the villages around. Over 5,000 shepherds decided to follow Jesus. Amen. About 150 million people of India, that's about 14% of the total population, are from the shepherd caste, which is the subcaste of the shudras or the untouchables. The shepherds have been overjoyed to learn about Jesus and the, the good shepherd and to understand that in God's eyes, they are not a low caste. God is revealing himself to them. Now, friends, you can't imagine how much peace this will bring to these folks. No matter who you are, I would tell you that peace is important but especially for so many who feel rejected. Maybe this is why in one survey, nearly one-third of those questions said that out of all the people mentioned in the Christmas story, most people identify with the shepherds. The shepherds were average, ordinary people, and yet they were invited to see the birth of the King of Kings. What I find most amazing is that when God wanted to announce the arrival of his son, he didn't do it in the presence of kings or queens. He announced it to the poor and the forgotten. And it truly is good news because if God's favor was offered to these shepherds, then friends, surely God's favor and peace is available to you as well. Isn't that great news? Isn't that something to praise God about? It is the world's greatest need. From the time sin entered the world and affected all of creation, we have been at odds with God. The Bible says that we have been God's enemies because of our sinful choices and in rebellion against his rule and his reign. We were separated from God because of our sin. Sin did not just stop there. It also caused us to be in conflict with one another. 
and even within ourselves. If you want to know the root cause of every broken relationship, if anybody's here and you've been through a broken relationship, whether it's a marriage, a friendship, or some family relationship, I'm going to tell you the root cause of every broken relationship. And you know what it is? It's a little three-letter word that people don't like to talk about these days, but it's sin. Selfishness is sin. When I'm, I'm just looking out for myself at the expense of others, that tends to end some relationships. You know what I'm saying? Anger can be sin. When I am angry with others all the time, this can create some major issues in relationships. Would you agree? Rage is a sin. Scripture describes fits of rage. Someone who's a ticking time bomb, who explodes on others, is going to have a hard time in relationships because who wants to be exploded on? You know what I'm saying? Malice is sin. When I do things to intentionally hurt others, whether I'm gossiping about them or talking bad about them or trying to maneuver things to where they are hurt, it's no surprise that I'm going to have some problems in my relationships. Sexual immorality is sin. Committing adultery or being unfaithful in a relationship will certainly create problems. Having a sexual relationship outside of a God-honoring marriage is sin. Drunkenness is sin. More often than not, a person with a drinking problem is going to have some real major problems in relationships. And look, I'm not, that's not an exhaustive list. I'm just trying to say, God warned us about these sins because sin not only causes problems in our relationship with Him, but our sins cause problems in our relationships with other people too. Do you realize that? Why are we, there's so many crimes? Why is there war? Why is there so much turmoil when we look around and we don't see peace? Why? It's because of sin. Sin has stripped us of having peace with God and peace with others. And also, it creates a conflict within ourselves. Paul put it this way in Romans 7, 15. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. For what I hate, I do. Anybody here can empathize with Paul, right? I mean, that temptation comes and we give in to it, there is an inner conflict. We struggle with guilt and shame. We have let ourselves down because of our own bad choices. We have no peace of mind or heart or soul because we know that we are guilty. And this is why Jesus' birth is such good news. It is the ultimate answer to the brokenness that exists because of sin. Brokenness between ourselves and God. Brokenness between ourselves and others. 
brokenness even within our own selves, our own inner voice of shame and guilt. And this is why Paul put it as he wrote to the church in Colossae. Paul was expressing the role that Jesus plays in making peace. In Colossians 1, beginning in verse 19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and that him is Jesus. And through him, Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by what? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now... He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and awesome, free from accusation. Even though we are guilty, can't nobody say nothing about us because in Jesus we are free, we are saved, our sin is gone, washed away as far as the east is from the west. Amen to that? To understand the peace that is ushered in at Christmas time, we must understand that although Jesus arrived in a cradle, his life would lead to the cross. Jesus intentionally lived a sinless life and willingly offered his life through crucifixion. Paul said it was the blood of Jesus Christ that makes peace between us and God. You see, friends, Christ's sacrifice on the cross pays for the sin that we committed, the sin that separated us from God, the sin that causes problems in our relationships, the sin that we feel so guilty about. It appeases God's anger towards sin and it destroys the power of evil in our lives. Being reconciled to God is the key to experiencing peace in every other area of our lives. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. That's our second point today, that Jesus came to reconcile us to God. You know, reconciliation, if you have a broken relationship, reconciliation means that you're coming together. You get that, right? And so when we are reconciled to God, God is saying, you were once my enemy, but now you are reconciled and you are now a part of my family. What great news. The entire purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to bring peace between God and and man. And since the time sin entered the world, God was planning to bring about a reconciliation between himself and his crowning creation, and that is you and me. That is mankind. When we receive the gift of forgiveness that is offered to us by faith through Christ, we become friends of God, and he offers us his power to help us navigate the difficulties of life. Now, some may believe that being made right with God means they will never face problems again. Has anybody ever told you that? 
that if you're a Christian, that you're going to be wealthy and you're never going to get sick and you're never going to have problems and you're never going to fail again. Has anybody ever said that lie to you? I hope not. Pastor and speaker and author, Dr. Tony Evans, says it like this, and I really like how he puts it. Peace does not mean you won't have problems. Peace means that your problems won't have you. Amen to that. The peace offered to those on whom God's favor rests does not equate to the absence of conflict. We may still have circumstances that don't go our way or challenging relationships that we have to navigate. What it does promise is the presence of God in our lives. And friends, if he is with us, there is nothing we should fear. If God is with me, who can be against me? Amen to that? We can go to him for guidance and strength. We can lean on him when we are weary. He promises to bind up the wounds when we are hurt. God desires for us to make peace with ourselves. Every past mistake Every personal struggle, every worry for the future is met with the love and the grace of God. We also make peace with others because of the forgiveness that God has given to us. When we come to recognize the grace that God has given to us with all of our faults, with all of our sins, and yet grace would, God would still love us and pour out His grace on us, our hearts are transformed to offer that grace to other people. Because if I'm not going to hold, if God isn't going to hold my sins against me, how can I hold another person's sin against them? Paul again put it this way in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Nobody who doesn't know God can understand this. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How can a young lady in Togo forgive those who murdered all 10 of her family members? She said, it's because I asked Jesus to forgive me. And if I want him to forgive me, I need to forgive them. As we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, we moved through a season known as Advent. And many of you already probably know that Advent comes from the Latin word meaning arrival. Jesus' first coming was the arrival of God's light for the world. Like sitting around a lit Christmas tree at night, the, the glow of God's presence washes over us. It calms our fears, it steadies our hearts. At Christmas time, we also make Note of another advent that is to come. Because one day in the future, I believe, and I think most of you believe, that Jesus will come back again. Amen? And he will make all things right once and for all. His peace covers our past. It meets us in our present and is a promise for our future. And let me talk about this last thing for a moment. The peace is our purpose. What, what the world needs more is people who have the peace of God. 
a peace of God that is in our hearts, and we are willing to share that peace with other people. It's not optional for us to embody this peace, by the way. It is an expectation that Jesus has for his followers that people see the peace of God lived out in our lives. Joining God and making the world a better place is the purpose of our lives. In fact, Jesus speaks to this in the middle of one of the most famous sermons he preached called the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The angels told the shepherds that peace was available to those on whom God's favor rests. Jesus said something similar when he stated that peacemakers will be blessed and they will be called the children of God. If you understand the peace of God, the God that God offers to us, is not always a peace without conflict, but it is an inner peace that we have with him and with others and even within ourselves then that will change our perspective on what it means to be a peacemaker. Now, I certainly think that those who attempt to bring peace between people who are at war, fighting each other, that, that is a wonderful thing. I think that's a great thing. And I, I think, you know, God used them to bring about that peace. But I want to tell you, I believe that helping people find an eternal peace with God is the greater peace. Because there's always going to be conflict. And there's always going to be war. There's always going to be fighting. But friends, when you have a peace with God, then that means no matter what anybody can do to you or say to you, you're going to have peace in your mind and in your soul. If we can help others find that peace with God, we will also help them discover peace with others and even within themselves. When we live by the Spirit of God, we will treat others according to that Spirit, and thus we will have more peaceful relationships. I mean, uh, would you rather have a relationship where there's anger and rage and malice and backbiting and gossiping, or would you rather have a relationship filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control? The Spirit of God pours into us what we need to have peace with those around us. And when that happens, they can release the guilt and shame, and give it all to God, just like we have. Jesus took it all to the cross with him. When we're willing to seek reconciliation with others and fight for harmony rather than sowing dissension, we're identified with the heart of God who longs to reconcile the world to himself. Friends, we look like the Father when we do that. And we're recognized as children in his family. We find peace at the heart of Christmas because God desires us to be in right relationship with him, no longer enemies, but at peace with our, with not only with him, but with ourselves and with others. It is the very reason for which Jesus came.
There are many people who do not value peace in their relationships. And though they, so they are in a constant state of conflict. You ever notice, seems like some people are looking for an argument. You ever, you ever notice that? It reminds me of what Linus said to Charlie Brown. Anybody like Charlie Brown Christmas? You know, you, have you watched that this year? Uh, but in a Charlie Brown Christmas, Charlie Brown was having trouble getting into the Christmas spirit. And Linus observed, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem, right? <laughs> and again, some people are looking for a fight because they aren't in one. Unfortunately, this is the outcome for people who believe Christmas is about other things besides hope and peace and joy and love. This Christmas, may we be people who embrace the gift offered to us through Jesus, who would die for us on that cross so that we might live in a right relationship with God and with ourselves and with others. So I want you just to think about some things as you get ready to leave today. What kind of things tend to rob you of peace? What kind of things rob your friends of peace? How is the presence of God and the presence of peace related? Why is Christ's sacrifice necessary to reconcile us to God and to others and to ourselves? And what is one practical way that you can live life as a peacemaker. Think about those things. Maybe talk about them while you're at lunch with your family today. But may God bring his peace to us. Because I know that there are some here today that maybe you don't feel peace today. Whatever is going on, I pray God's peace for you. And I pray that God would use us all as peacemakers. Father, we thank you for the peace that you offer us through Jesus. And I know that there are some people here today who need that peace right now. Some have lost loved ones. Some are struggling with medical problems or they have loved ones who are struggling. Some are dealing with relationships that are toxic. And others may be struggling just to make ends meet. But no matter what that issue may be, Father, what we need is peace. As we have learned from your word, peace is not the absence of these problems. It is the knowledge that we are not alone as we deal with them. And the promise that they cannot control us. And Father, I believe that you will show us a way through whatever that problem may be. Through Jesus, we have peace. So may your peace be upon all who have heard this message today. May we extend your peace to others we come into contact with today and in the week and weeks to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.